The times in which we live seem perilous. We're living in a world of uncertainty. The economic problems we're seeing on every hand, the bankruptcies and bank failures, systems failures, social failures, political failures, religious failures, hypocrisy, moral meltdown and, and contradictions. The definition of a contradiction is to assert or express the opposite of. So a contradiction is something that basically just doesn't make sense. And that sure defines a lot of things in our world today. For example, on a much lighter note and in a much lighter vein, somebody has written, only in America do shoppers buy hot dogs in packages of 10 and buns in packages of 8. Only in America do banks have both doors to the vault open and then they chain the pens to the counters. And only in America do people use answering machines to screen calls and then they have call waiting so they won't miss a call from someone they didn't want to talk to in the first place. Now, back to the world as we see it in year 2020. When we think about how the Bible says that things will indeed continue to get worse and worse, even so much, even so much so that the hearts of men would fail for fear for looking after the things coming. When we think about the fact that the book of Revelation tells us that the devil is roaming this earth and he knows that his time is short. When we think about all these things we're, we're facing in this critical hour, then without question, we need some survival skills. And with that, I want you to know something. God has given us everything, absolutely everything we need to survive. And I will tell you something else. God doesn't just want us to survive but to thrive. And so over the next few messages, I'm going to be speaking to what does it take to really, truly thrive. So let's get ready to embark on a new and exciting journey as we learn what it takes to really thrive. And I, and I believe that we are going to thrive. And my prayer for you is that you we'll see that important truth that God is going to allow you to thrive and he has everything you need for that to happen. Now, the very first thing we're going to consider is if you want to thrive, then you need something very, very important. And that something, Christian friend, is the assurance of your salvation. So with that in mind, let's read some scripture and let's go over to 1 John and go to chapter 3. Reading the first three verses. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, 
And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Great verses indeed. And now I invite you to come down to chapter 5 of 1 John and share this great verse, one that I love, one of my favorites of all time. John writes, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know, K-N-O-W, that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. In this phenomenal piece of biblical literature, the Apostle John writes, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. In other words, he is saying that if you have been saved, you are now a son of God. Not like next week it might happen, or not sometime ahead, we don't really know when, or not just in heaven beyond, but on earth now, right now. If you are saved, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've confessed your sins to God, you are now a son or a daughter of God. We love to sing that song in our church, we are the sons and daughters of God. In other words, what he is saying is that you can know that you are saved. You can know that you are his. You, are, you can know that you are part of the forever family. Yes, a true Jesus follower. In fact, if you were to take the time, and I suggest you do, to read the entire book of 1 John, that seems to be his theme. I think you'll notice that because he uses the word know, K-N-O-W, over 30 times in that little book. And that is amazing. It's like he wants you to know over and over and over and over again that you can know now that you are saved. You are free. You are forgiven. You are secure in him. In other words, he wants you to have the full and complete assurance of your salvation. And one of the great things about our Christian life is that we can know that we are saved. We can know that we are accepted by God in the name of Christ. Someone said the greatest thing in all the world is to be saved. I said to that, amen. But the second greatest thing in all the world is to know that you are saved. And one of the great tragedies, I think, is for someone who has given over the control of their life to the Lord, been born again by the Spirit of God, has made a public uh, profession of their faith in Christ, and then for that person to walk around defeated, deflated, dejected, despondent, doubtful and just plain down in the mouth because they do not really have an assurance of their salvation. So, so sad. Sometimes that person thinks, uh, well, I'm saved. Other times they think, well, 
I'm not really sure. But the truth of the matter is, we ought to know. We should know. And we 100% can know. Now here's the good news. We can know that we are saved beyond a reasonable doubt, beyond any shadow of doubt whatsoever. I love the story of the old Cornish evangelist Billy Bray back in the early 1800s is when he did his preaching. And somebody asked Billy one day what he would do if he found out that he'd been wrong all along and he ended up in hell and not heaven. He said, here's what I'd do. I'd hit the streets of hell hollering, Jesus, where are you, Jesus? Jesus, where are you? Where are you, Jesus? And then he said, I suppose the devil will come up to me and say, hey, you can't talk about Jesus down here. You're going to have to leave. (laughs) And that's a wonderful thing to know in times like this. When we are dealing with so much uncertainty in the economy, in the politics, in the religious circles, in society in general, it's so good to know that we know that we know that our names are written down in heaven. Now, John says, we are the sons of God. And, and ladies and ladies, now are you the daughters of God. We are saved. We are safe. We're secure. And we're settled. And to be very honest with you, if you are going to thrive with all that's going on around you, there's mental stress, There's economic stress, there's spiritual stress. You know, that comes from Satan himself. Then one of the very basic necessary tools is this thing called assurance. And so for a little piece of time today, I want to look with you at some different aspects of this great subject. I call it Thrive Secret Number One, Assurance. First of all, the battle for assurance. Because if you would, let me tell you something. The very first thing the devil does after you accept Christ is he tries to make a real believer doubt his or her salvation. I wonder how many of us can say, you know, that's what happened to me. Yeah, when I was stealing candy at the corner drugstore. Not one time did I hear the words, hey, you're not a Christian. A a Christian would never do anything like that. Or maybe when you were, or maybe I, or someone was cheating in school, the devil devil never one time said, hey, you you know you're going to go to hell for, for looking on that kid's answers. Never once did that happen. But the minute you accepted Christ, the very first thing he said was, Are you really sure of what you just did? Are are you really sure you believe that you're saved? I mean, you might think you did something great, but you know you really didn't. And you should have known better because all those years that you and I were not saved, he never one time mentioned it to us. He didn't mention it to me, and he probably didn't mention it to you. And that's no surprise because once again, once again, The Bible is clear. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10, we read these words. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, 
Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. In other words, Satan's job is to accuse us and to make us feel insecure about our salvation and about ourselves. And one of the first things that will happen to you, and it will continue until you reach heaven, is that Satan will attack your assurance. And not only that, but we often lack assurance, not only because of Satan, but we also have an attack on our assurance because of self. Because the truth of the matter is that after we're saved, after we've come to Christ, after we've put our full faith and trust in him, when we do, even after that, sometimes we miss the mark or we mess up or maybe fall flat and actually fail. And the devil comes around and tells us, well, I guess maybe you're not really saved. And then we look at our own shortcomings and we look at that failure and, and we think to ourselves, well, devil, may, maybe you've got a point. Maybe you've got something there. Just stop for a moment, friend, and think. I want you to know something of which you can be truly sure. Despite Satan, despite self, despite your surroundings, and despite your sorrows. Are you listening? His grace is sufficient. Yes, God's grace is sufficient. His word is enough. And his desire to forgive is greater than your desire to ask for forgiveness. It's the battle for assurance. You can know that you have the assurance of your salvation, and you may say, well, how can I know that? And that's a great question. Well, let's look secondly. Not only is there the battle, but also let's look at the basis of assurance. How can I know that I know for sure? The Bible says, by the way, don't you love those words? The Bible says. <laughs> the Bible says and it does in Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 15. One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin in any sin that he sinneth. At the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. And when it comes to the basis of our assurance, we have those two or three witnesses. First of all, we have the witness of the word of God. Someone said that the Bible is the Christian's birth certificate. I like that. How do I know I'm saved? Because I have it in writing. <laughs> you see, if you're going to really get anything done and you're really going to make it official and legal, put it in writing. Here's what the good word says in John 3:36. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. Has it, you already have it. And he that believes not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And down in John 6, 37, we read these words. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, Jesus said, I will in no wise cast out. 
Romans 10, verse 13, Paul writes, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And to cap it, in John chapter 6, verse 47, we read, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me has everlasting life. J. Wilbur Chapman was a great evangelist of another time, and he preached during the early and mid-1800s, and he tells how he went to hear the great D.L. Moody in a great campaign, and Moody was preaching, and at the end of the message, at what was called the invitation, he went down front to the inquirer's bench. And he said that Moody came up to him and sat down and said, uh, Sir, are you a Christian? He said, um, I'm not sure whether I'm a Christian or not. You see, Mr. Moody, I'm a church member, but I'm not sure whether or not I'm truly a Christian. So Moody took the Bible and he turned to John 5, 24, and he read these words. Truly or verily, verily, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He said, do you believe that? And uh, Chapman said, yes, but uh, I'm still not sure. He said, are you a Christian? Well, I'm not sure. I, I don't know whether I am or not. Moody said, read that verse again. And so Mr. Chapman read it. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Wow, wow. Well, are you a Christian? Just as I started to say again, I wasn't sure, said Mr. Chapman. Mr. Moody looked at me with those flashing eyes and he said, Sir, just whom are you doubting? Wilbur Chapman said, for the first time I realized that after I had done what God told me I needed to do, that to doubt my salvation thereafter was to doubt the very word of God. And he said from that moment on, as long as he lived, he would never doubt his salvation. Another noted preacher used to say, don't ever put a question mark where God has put a period. The basis of knowing you are saved, my friend, is the Word of God. Oh, oh, yes. And the Bible says, the Bible says, well, we're going to see what the Bible says a little bit later as we move on in this message, and we're going to just hold things there for now. And I'm going to ask you to reread some of these verses of Scripture, and I'm going to ask you to think about your assurance, what a wonderful and blessed assurance it is. Now, if we could, let's just bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, during these turbulent times, we want believers to be more encouraged and more strengthened and more ready to do the will of God than ever before not to be fearful, not to lose hope, not to forget who they belong to, but instead praising God, giving thanks to God, and giving to Him all the glory. And so, my friend, today, if you need assurance to thrive, I invite you to come humbly to Jesus this day. Put your faith and your trust and your future hope 
in him. And you indeed will know the assurance of your salvation. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and for decisions that were made and sealed even this day. We pray all this with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen.